Hey everyone, my name is Spencer Favre and you are listening to Latter-Gay Saint. I asked my friend Chinedu Ahananu to uh, join me on this podcast. He's here with me now. Or he invited me to his house. We're going to eat enchiladas later, so I'm super excited <laughs> because his wife makes really good enchiladas. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, some of the things that have been happening in our country recently concerning... Um, the BLM movement, uh, racism in America, microaggressions, inequality for people of color or people with a different uh, sexual orientation than others. And so I've had a couple really good conversations with Nadu so far and a couple of difficult conversations that we've been able to share with each other. And uh, I wanted to record it and put it on here to help anyone that might be struggling with... Um, uh, I'm not really sure. Struggling with uh, just the climate of our country, things are coming to light. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna let Chinedu talk a little bit about himself, real quick. Where are you from, Chinedu? I'm from West Jordan, Utah. Uh, I was born in North Logan, Utah, and I lived there until I was 10, and then I moved to West Jordan. Um, been in Cedar Cedar for a long time. Uh, I came down here in 2013 to play football, and I've been here. And I got married, and I'm leave to dental school uh, at the beginning of the summer so um yeah you already got accepted right yeah i got accepted i'm going to university of louisville or as they say louisville but heading out there um in june so i'm excited and grateful thanks spencer for having me on we've had like you said we've had a lot of good conversations um difficult conversations um, uncomfortable conversations um but they've always come from a place of love and mutual respect so i i've appreciated that from him and i'm grateful to to be on the podcast yeah, honestly, um, I think that was our biggest thing that we've talked about a lot is it's good to have hard conversations, but they definitely have to come from like a place of love and a place of understanding and not a place of trying to be critical or trying to be smarter than or you just definitely have to have an open heart and an open mind. And I think that's why we've been able to have such a good relationship is because, I mean, we come from pretty different places. I'm as white as they come. I don't look it, but I'm as white <laughs> as they come. And, uh, and grew up in, uh, I mean, I guess we, as far as religion goes, we both grew up LDS mm -hmm. and, um, and so pretty different backgrounds besides religion. Um, I, your parents are, um, also not American, right? Yeah. Yeah. So both my parents are immigrants. We're not from America. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. But they are American, but yeah. I would say. <laughs> They're American, not from America. <laughs> um, so my mom is from Vietnam, uh, born and raised. She moved to the United States at 18. Um, but she also, she joined the church when she came to America. My father, um, he's from Nigeria and came to America, um, a little bit later in his life. Uh, but they met Utah State, go Aggies. Um, and they met there and fell in love, you know, got married, had me and my, my two little brothers. And so, um, that's been a part or like a big part of the ways I've seen things and grown up, grown up, just seeing, um, race and injustice in, the country, a lot of it's been based off like from my parents weren't like really born here. So just like grateful for the opportunities that we've had. So but that, that's helped. So yeah, like to answer your question in a roundabout way. So I have written down a couple of uh, questions that I think are going to help facilitate us to have a good conversation and things that I guess talking points is kind of a funny way to say it, but uh, questions that people usually have um, and maybe you might be too nervous to ask someone uh, or to talk to someone about because some of these questions are 
kind of difficult to answer and uh, kind of difficult to ask if you don't feel like you have a good relationship with someone um, of a different ethnic background than you, especially, I guess, if you're white. Um, I feel like a lot of times you feel nervous about approaching someone of color that you know, even if you do know them and have a good relationship with them because you feel like you don't want to ruin the relationship. But honestly, I think our relationship has gotten better because we've been able to talk about like difficult subjects. And honestly, we don't agree on everything either. But just because we don't agree doesn't mean that we can't support each other. And and we've honestly been it's been good, like cried with Nadu, (laughs) had had really good uh, conversations. Um, So the first question that I wanted to ask was, do you remember your first experience with racism? How old were you and where were you at? Yeah. and I wanted to, I should have inserted this earlier. I think an important part of these conversations as well is understanding that just because it's like my story doesn't mean it's the same for all of black people or all minority or mm-hmm. all like people of colors, um, color, colors. But I think that's an important part and an important, um, component of it. Cause I know some people will say, well, this person said this. Why is it not the same for like X person? Why is it not the same for Y? Everyone's different. Like they all have different lives. No one is the same. But there is a common thread, um, me and probably everyone's story of anyone who feels in like a minority group or an oppressed group, there is a common thread. And so I think that's important to state and important to know. Um, cause I've had conversations with people like, well, my friend said this about I don't see color. Like, well, this person says they might not be offended by it, but that bothers me. And we'll talk a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, when we talk about microaggressions, but. To your question, the first time I, I can remember experiencing racism, I was probably in the fourth grade. Um, I remember we were learning, that's when you start learning about U.S. history. Um, it's about the fourth grade. I specifically remember like a kid, like, um, we read the book, like, they read the word like Negro. Um, that's, you know, as they refer to, to black people, um, along with other things. But I remember being called like the kids, like, oh yeah, Chinedu's a Negro. And I remember I was in, I was in fourth grade. It'd been like the first time really I'd ever like experienced something like that. And for me, as like a fourth grader, I just cried. Like, you know, that was big, big old football player. Like, I just cried. Um, and I remember my parents were involved and the kid ended up like apologizing and like having to write like a note and things like that. But that was like really the first time I can really remember like being upset um, about something like that. What was it like? Um growing up in northern utah um as a black person um in north logan it was really really different i think north logan and utah is pretty but it's predominantly white like let's be <laughs> yes, upfront. absolutely um i in Nor- logan i didn't really understand it because i was pretty young like when mm-hmm. i lived there um i remember i didn't have a black friend until i was like in third grade he was on my so- oh no i was eight whatever that is i was eight years old he's on my soccer team mm-hmm. um and yeah, he lived across the street for like a little bit and then moved. Um, so growing up in North Utah, I was, I was pretty comfortable like being like by myself, like my brothers and I, my family were the only like black, like black family at church. Um, but it really didn't change much until I moved to Salt Lake or West Jordan. That's when I started to get things like that were a little bit different. Like, um, started to be like, oh, you act white or why do you talk like that? Um, so that's really when it started. Growing up in Utah, it's weird, because well, like when you say people um, ask you like, "Why do you talk like that?" Do you are you talking like, do you feel like you talked like, quote unquote, a white person, or yeah. did you feel like you had like more of like the southern accent or like the 
the black scent, if mm-hmm. you if you call it that. Um, um, mostly like you talk white. Oh, and okay. I think I, I face that like from white people and from black people. And that's I still think in the black community we should eliminate. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just because you talk intelligently uh, doesn't mean that you're acting like you can't see my fingers, but I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> white. I do love finger air quotes. Yeah, I remember your last episode, like finger quotes though. But yeah, so it, it was weird um, experiencing that. I was 10. Yeah. Where people were like, why you're such an Oreo? Or why do you act like white? And I remember like, I was called Carlton a lot. Carlton? Carlton, you know, from Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Carlton too. So that was like from everyone though. How was that with your, um, your racial identity? Like, do you feel like it was, um, more difficult to grow up with, um, people like black people telling you that you are like Carlton or that you're an Oreo or that mm-hmm. you, you talk white? Or was it more difficult? Or, or, or they? I guess they could both have been equally difficult um, for white people telling you that. It was weird. I think until, honestly, until I got older and kind of just understood, like, the scope of everything, I didn't really, like, feel fit in with either, really. It was, like, the black people, like, they started to too white. And, like, white kids would be like, you're black. And so, like, I know a big part of, like, me, I like it was, like, my parents are immigrants. Uh, that's where I come from. You know, I come from um, people that weren't born here and have made something for themselves, have been blessed, uh, have worked extremely hard um, and made like the best of their, their, their situation. So that's how I really, I coped with it um, at the beginning. But as I've gotten older and realized like, yeah, it doesn't matter where you come from, like you're black. Yeah. And so I, that's kind of where I've um, come to understand more, especially because like my story is different than like a kid that grows up in like Chicago or like a kid that's. I had a friend, he shared um, what he thought about. He grew up in Utah. Uh, his mom is white. His dad is black. Um, and he shared his story, too. And I was like, it's different than mine. But there are similarities. Yeah. Similar threads. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about, um, like, the our social climate recently, yeah. especially following um, George Floyd, mm-hmm. uh, everything that happened to George Floyd, yeah. and uh, everything that has happened to um, a lot of black people recently, according to uh, the news and things that we've seen and stuff. So we, we've talked a lot about that. And uh, a, a big question I think that people get all the time or want to think all the time is, um, oh, let me think for a sec. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. I was going to ask you, what what has been the most difficult part of recent events concerning the Black Lives Matters movement and recent injustices done to people of color yeah. by police? So, yeah, well, yeah, I'll ask you that and you can answer. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. No, I think the thing that's been the most painful is is people that, it's not something bad, but express their love for me. Um, like, say they, sorry, not express, the ones that say they love me, they say they care about me and can't see that things like this hurt, like, hurt me on a level that like they don't understand and it's not yes like it's not you it's not your family it's not your friends but i can see my brothers i can see my cousins i can see my friends like in those same like not situations like you say even say situations but see my like see them like when i saw like the video like george floyd i could see more than just like person that whatever they want to say about him but i could see like i see a person that looks like me it looks like people that i care about that and that extremely painful just seeing that people like upset about things unrelated unrelated, yeah like like, uh i mean a lot of things like oh he was a bad person he had a criminal record and using those as kind of excuses to um 
I, I would say like uh, almost soothe the how difficult it is to choke down the fact that we watched a police officer kneel on a man's neck yeah. until he died. Um, and so I think, yeah, we've talked about that a lot mm-hmm. is that people have brought up his past as a human being, uh, whether it was good or bad, yeah. um, which is relative to perspective. Uh, and then, and then use that as, as an excuse to, to kind of undermine the, the movement of, of equality for yeah. people of color in America. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah, we definitely have. That's been like, that's been the thing that's just hurt the most is like, like, how can you say is this like such awful things? Like people are like people, someone died. Like someone has died. There are injustices that happen in our country and it's okay to, to be upset. Like you should be upset. Like you should not want that to happen. And, and another thing that's bothered me a lot too is that people are afraid to have these conversations like, hey, I don't like it's, it's you come, it comes up on Facebook. I've learned a lot and tried so much like harder to stop being a keyboard warrior. I just I see something, I just want to respond, but it's like, hey, here's my phone number. I don't like having these conversations like over text. Call me. I've had a couple of these conversations. Some have been super, super good. Some have been like, I don't think we got anywhere, but at least you kind of at least you are able to understand. I've had people call me, but hey, like, um, Come and I have some questions for you. Just come sit down and talk with me. So I've had some good. There, there, there's been some good, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just people just not wanting to understand or trying to understand has been, I think, the most upsetting thing about it. Do you feel like you have received support from your friends? Um, or do you feel like there's been a mixture of support and like criticism from friends? Um, it's been a lot more support, I'd say, than a lot more support than criticism. Uh, but there have been people that I thought were really close to me that I have, like, have had, um, people that like, don't cancel people or don't cut people off. But, like, it's just, like, rather do without them in your life. Yeah. yeah. I want you to eat, of course. I want you to grind. I want you to get yours, but just not on my table right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is, like, a common, like, theme from a lot of the people who have been critical of? Because mm-hmm. you're really outspoken. I mean, so, Chinedu is, how tall are you? Like almost six foot. Almost I'm six foot. foot. I, I, if you ask me, I'm six foot. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he, he he's a big guy. How much? If you don't mind saying, how much you weigh? How much do you weigh? Hey, bro, I kind of weigh too much right now. I'm like, you know, I'm how much did two, you weigh when you played? Oh, I was like two, football two football Two forty five, bro. <laughs> I'm not two forty five anymore, but so he's I'm a, gonna get back to it. He's a big guy. He's intimidating. Um, he, he, you can be intimidating until you get to know him. Obviously, he's super friendly, a very talkative. He's a really good guy. Um, but definitely someone that. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't want to make angry, obviously. I'm also a pretty red personality. I'm very kind of I'll tell a you. firecracker. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you. I'll tell you if I'm upset. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, well, so, what has been like a like a common theme that you've heard like from your friends that mm-hmm. have been critical or people who you've talked to that have been critical? Yeah. Um, so, like, I've seen a lot of things like um, they don't want to su- like we talked a little about previously. Um, I won't support this person because of their past. Uh, they were a criminal. Um, it's so like we're specifically talking about George Floyd, um, or things like the, if they would have just complied, nothing would have happened. I can't support Black Lives Matter because the leaders, like, they will not separate the organization for, I don't say the movement, but just the cause, like what we're trying to help people understand. Um, big thing has been kneeling in the anthem has been still is a thing like that has, I've received that, like, I won't support anyone that won't stand for our country or disrespect the truth. So that's been like 
talking points that I kind of think are dumb. Frankly, like I'll be completely honest, but I feel like we can talk through them because like you feel this way strongly. Like, hey, you want to support our country? Cool. You want to support our troops? You have that deep, um, that deep uh, love for our country. That's cool. But speaking out against it doesn't mean you hate it, you know? So those have been some things like that I've, like people said to me, I'm like, well, let's talk about it. And sometimes they, we do. And sometimes we don't. Yeah. I definitely feel like there has been recently a lot of hypocrisy. Like, um, obviously it's not really a, po- a politics podcast. So we don't get like too deep into it. But when it comes to, uh, like listening to the news and stuff, you obviously have two different views, more conservative or more liberal. And, um, it seems like there has been like a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to an issue that doesn't really affect you. Like here in Utah, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of, which is something I've heard people say and something that I felt myself. It doesn't seem like racism is a really big issue in Utah. Um, uh, but whenever you talk to someone who actually is a person of color, uh, the story is different and, uh, which will kind of lead us into microaggressions in a little bit, yeah. but, uh, and prejudice as well. But, um, kind of losing my train of thought. What was I going to say? Um, hypocrisy. Ah, hypocrisy. Thanks. Yep. Yeah. It happens a lot. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like, if something doesn't really affect you, then you don't really, then you don't really feel like you want to support it or stand for it. But then as soon as something does affect you, then you don't have a problem raising your voice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think we've seen that a lot in recent times is people are unwilling to be empathetic towards someone else's cause because it doesn't really directly affect them Mm -hmm. because it is hard to have empathy for people you don't know Mm -hmm. and to be empathetic towards a group of people that you feel like maybe aren't suffering yeah. Um, because you haven't ever experienced that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would definitely suggest that if you have ever had the thought or the justification of a thought of like, well, I can't support because I think that you should probably take a look at like your true feelings. Are you really trying to protect yourself? Yeah. Oh, and like the things that you believe in, or are you just unwilling to support people because you don't have an empathetic connection for the, the mm. suffering that they're going through, which is, I, which is, I don't know, kind of interesting. There's a thought for you. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, talking about, is there anything that you wanted to, Oh uh, no, about? just like, like along those lines, it's like, I've, I've come to understand things differently. Like, um, frankly, like growing up, like the gay rights movement is something I never like understood. Um, and, to be completely honest, like what I went through this summer, things just started to click for me. Like my wife is one of the best people on the planet and she's understood these things. And we had these conversations about these things before. And I'm like, I, I understand now. Cause you talk to some like, people that when you talk about like the like, gay rights and you talk about, uh, I don't say civil rights, but cause but they say civil rights happen and they're, they're fine. We're done. We, we've moved on. Yeah. We, we've evolved from paper. that. Is, yep. Exactly. Like when you say you said civil rights or civil injustices, there's, it used to bother me when people said they were the same and it doesn't bother me anymore. I do feel like there are some differences, but there are a lot more similarities than pe- I think people want to admit. Yeah. We, we have talked about that actually. Um, we had a good conversation. He asked me for my experience 
um, about what it's like to be gay in Utah. And um, it was really, really good. And we were actually able to relate on a lot of different mm -hmm. things when it came to things like microaggressions and inequalities and uh, things like that. And I'm not going to say that I necessarily have had uh, a lot of experiences with uh, um, with like segregation or inequality or or microaggressions even. Well, that's not true. Quite a few microaggressions, yeah. but um, but the the struggle is that um, it, it, we kind of live in a. I'm not going to say Utah lives in a bubble, but Utah lives in a bubble. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess I mean I feel like a bubble is a little bit of a perspective because yeah. I mean you could say people in California live in a bubble of uh, because sure. they all have so many or many of them have similar viewpoints and, sure. and that's why California is California. But then when you come out to Utah, it's a totally different bubble. Mm -hmm. And so when bubbles collide, it can be difficult. And, uh, and so growing up gay and growing up, uh, kind of afraid to express my identity to anyone but myself and kind of keep that a secret in some ways is similar to, uh, the struggle that, uh, black people have gone through in, uh, kind of living in an area that's predominantly white and having to live through, um, a, a lot of those. Yeah like a lot of those same difficulties. So are you, um, did you want to say anything uh, else? No, okay. like, yeah, yeah, I was just saying. Um, yeah, like I said, it's helped me understand empathy, oh, okay. I think. Um, that was my, my point is like, just because your struggle isn't the same, you can find common threads. And I think that's been something that I feel like we lack as a country and as a people is like, our, our, huggle, our huggles, our hustles, our struggles are not the same, but there's some things that are common. And instead of, um, talking about differences and then building upon commonalities, people want to just focus on the differences. Yeah. And frankly, there comes a time, frankly, where I'm at a point where it's like, I'm not going to talk until I'm blue in the face to someone that's intent on not understanding. Yeah, unwilling to listen. Yeah. And it's like, that's like, that's what I've come to learn because I used to just talk and talk and talk and talk. But I got to a point where it's like, this person's not going to change. Yeah. And everyone, everyone can change. But if, this, if they don't want to, it's like, I'm not going to waste my breath. I agree. And it is difficult to change. Um, yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you think about like what it would take to actually change yourself. And you're talking about like changing your habits, changing your patterns of thought. It's difficult for people to change, but not impossible, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's the hardest part about change is no one can do it for you. Absolutely. It has to be uh, a you thing. Yeah. You have to have, you have to want to be able to be more open-minded mm -hmm. to be able to listen to someone's struggle and, and think, well, I don't know what that's like, but I am going to try to be empathetic and, and, uh, put myself in your shoes and, and, uh, try to feel what you're feeling mm -hmm. so that I can understand where you're coming from yeah. better. Yeah. And the big part of that is just listening. Oh, it's yeah. like, um, we talked about you, you shared your story with me. Like I just sat there and listened. I didn't have a lot to say because that was your experience. And it's like, when people ask me, okay, I share with them and then they get upset. And I'm like, dude, you asked me how I felt. You asked me like what I'm facing and what I'm experiencing. So there's there's a difference between like, if you were truly asking and truly wanting to know, like just ask the person and just listen. I remember, um, I was just okay with you sharing it, but um, I don't use my boss, one day she just sat like, with everything going on, she just looked at me and said, how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling? And she just let me talk. I talked like 15 minutes. Um, and I, that actually meant a lot to me. And I've, I've meant a lot because it was a lot more than a lot of people had done for me. Just asked me how I was feeling and asked me how I was doing. 
and it's been it's been hard for me living here um in utah because like there's not a ton of people that i can talk to about things like this um but yeah so if you have anyone you know that's experiencing like just ask and if you do just listen like it's you're not there to because a big part of it is a lot of people invalidate it's like you share you ask their experience and they share and they say what about this like i i just opened up to you and you're gonna pick point point one thing and say this like that's what you want to die on like i remember typing like i said i was a keyboard warrior typing out paragraphs to people about like for example kneeling and the anthem i've talked about that i said this is it's not about this the anthem it's about this and like all right well what what does kneeling with pig socks have to do with the i'm like dude that's not what we're talking about yeah you know kind of totally overlooking everything you've just said or anything that they've just asked for and then just going straight to what they have a problem with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is not the way to <laughs> develop a relationship no. with anyone or try to understand where they're yeah. coming from. And frankly, like, I won't talk to that person anymore. <laughs> it's, it's like, all right, bro, bet. Bye. That's what you feel? I, I, I tried. And yeah. I think the big part is like, um, one of my best friends is he's super right-leading. And so... That's my dog. That's my brother. But we've, we've talked about things and it's like, we get to a point where he's like, he's like, I'm either, or I'm getting upset. You're getting upset. Let's like step away from this and he'll call me and be like, get a rare text. Like, he'll call me and be like, hey, dude, I just want to make sure like everything's okay. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you're good. It's just, I'm frustrated about this. And he's like, okay, well, I'm frustrated about this. And it's just like talking about it. Like, I don't know. I've had a really, I, man, I always say I have bad conversations, but I've had some pretty good ones. I had some really bad ones too. Man. I've had some ones. I'm like, bro, are you serious? And so it's been, oh, it's been a weird time. I think, I think a lot of it for me though is just finding my identity. I think um, it was 23, 24. I came for a mission. All these things I learned about myself. Um, got married to a wonderful human, and as I've learned things and talked with her about things and experienced things, I've definitely felt like I have a pretty big voice. And I can make change, and I can I can help people. So that's why I'm grateful that you're here. You know, just, I hope I hope someone listening out there. I hope you learn something today. I mean, you're talking a little bit more about some stuff. I hope you learn something nice. Um, talking about your wife really quick. She's white. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she's like got French blood or anything in her, but she's white. Obviously, if you walk down Canadian. the street, she's Canadian. Okay, Canadian. She's Canadian. Um, what has it been like being a black man married to a black and Vietnamese man married to a white woman in Southern Utah? Man, honestly, I am very lucky in the woman that I married because she is one of, she is the most empathetic person I know. And so I know, like, I've been able to talk to her about things and she just listen. And there are sometimes like things she just doesn't understand because she has experienced it, but she does understand because she's like, She'll say things like, my kids are going to be black. My in-laws are black. Like, I have, I, I, I'm, I said she's black. I mean, people will say no. But at this point, it's like, she's going to be surrounded by black people her whole life. But she's been super just empathetic and just understanding. And in Southern Utah, it's been weird. Not weird, but just like, I always say, and we always point out, if we ever see like an older interracial couple, we'll always point it out because it's like, I always say to her, she'll say to me, like, I can't wait till one day that's like normal. Like, where we, that's common. And we see that all the time. Cause I think it's important to like, just love who you love. And I think that's goes back to a lot of things. Just if people want to love someone, just let them love. And 
like let all else like that's none of your business that they want to let that person live in love prison yeah and so and so um i sometimes frankly i feel bad not feel bad for her but like it makes me sad just because i have a couple people i have people that i can talk to and confide with that i have similar situations to from to me and she doesn't and so that's also been like another layer of it too it's like hey there's people that are black and experience things with their black family there's like there's people that are white that don't have like they have black loved ones and they experience it differently like we're black but white parents with black kids um for example as well like they face that similarity where it's like you understand it because you are a part of it and, you know we talked about how um people don't try to understand it until they have to mm-hmm. and so they, then once they have to they seek to understand it and so they, they've gone to this point of you could say enlightenment where they're like <laughs> i need to understand this issue and so that's been hard just living in southern utah is that there's not a lot of people like us where yeah. we can like experience things together and talk to each other like and work through things so that i've I have that my heart has hurt for her in that like like it's hard when you don't just have people to confide in that have a similar like situation to you. Hmm. Um, have you ever had a negative experience like being a uh, interracial interracial yeah interracial couple? Have you ever had a negative experience where someone's like uh, no said something? Uh-uh. Uh, okay. I think I should have done that before I started my thought. I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Believe in like, I say the most conservative place in Utah. People would say otherwise, but if it's they, a pretty small town. If the university wasn't here, bro, like, come on. <laughs> but I do think we that, would still be driving by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, I. <laughs> Just kidding, Cedar. We love you. Um, <laughs> Side eye from Janae. Thanks. Uh, no, I think. Um, we haven't had that experience, and we're like we're lucky for that. And I'm sure that's something we'll face, um, because I probably every couple has. Um, so hopefully, you know, we don't. But we'll see what happens. Okay. I haven't had anything yet, but I already know what I'm gonna say. It's good. It's like just love. Let them love, man. Just love is love. Love is love. Like, yeah. Um, so I wrote down uh, for our uh, one of my next questions the definition of what a microaggression is, because I feel like. I mean, for the most part, I don't think that racism is as openly acceptable. Well, it definitely is not as openly acceptable now as it was in the past and the recent past. Um, and I think what, for the most part, what I've seen and what I've experienced, not as far as racism, obviously, because I'm white, but as far as microaggressions are, um, are what have been much more common. Cause I don't, I have never really faced discrimination for my sexuality. And I haven't really faced, uh, open discrimination, uh, too bad, um, for my sexuality. It's definitely been more like microaggressions. And so the definition of a microaggression, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. I would also add, uh, someone who has a sexual orientation other than heterosexual obviously yeah like the oxford dictionary says uh it can be uh what is it direct or indirect yeah Yeah. and uh unintentional as well Mm -hmm. meaning that you may not know that you are being offensive to someone uh but it doesn't mean that it's not offensive yeah and so we're going to talk a little bit about like uh 
some experiences that we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, what microaggressions have you experienced? Um, so I can give a couple I saw off the top of my head. I think I remember one time uh, I was talking to some people um, about what I was going to do. You know, I'm going to be a dentist. You're talking future Dr. Chinedu Edward Ahanani was on the podcast today. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I was talking to people like, hey, what are you trying to do? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to dental school. And at this point, I had applied. I interviewed at a couple schools already. And I was talking like, oh, you want to be a dentist? Like, oh, that's so cool. It's like, well, my best friend, this this older man, he told me, he's like, hey, my best friend, um, he didn't want to be a dentist, but he wanted to be a physical therapist. I was like, all right, cool. I'm like, I don't know why you're telling me the story, but he's like, yeah, and so I had two best friends. They both want to be physical therapists. One is busting his butt and getting A's, and the other one's getting like B's. And and he's like, and I told him, I was like, hey, well, why why are you just uh, getting B's? And he, his friend looked at me, he's like, well, I'm black. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, first of all, I was like, bro, why are you telling me this story? Like, he's like, so is dental school like the same way, like where if you're black, you just like get in? And I'm like, I looked at him, I was like, took a deep breath, and I was like. I have studied so hard. I'm a chemistry major. I got a great score on the dad. Well, I'm a good score on the dad. Like I put in a lot of work. It doesn't matter like what color I am. Like I've had to put in work and I've had to, to, to fight. It's not like oh, I can just, you know, go walk into class, get C's and just get in cause I'm black. And I was like, no, dental school is like pretty competitive. And there's those things like half of the students that apply to dental school, dental school will get into at least one, but just something like that, that, that bothered me actually a lot. I remember I talked about it in my interview with Howard, you know, I was HBCU is kind of lit, but I talked to them about that. And they're like, the thing that was interesting about that is that she, because there wasn't an interview question. Well, it was, but she asked me, like, what was your response? And what did they do? And what did you do? And she's like, good. And so just like helping people understand, like, he's like, oh, people in his mind, he's like, all right, this is a story that kind of relates. So because you're black, you're just going to get into dental school, right? And that bothered me so much. I, I remember coming home and talking to Mackenzie about it. I'm like, this, this is bothering me. Like, why would you even bring that up? Because that doesn't make me feel comfortable. It doesn't make me feel like, oh, we relate. That's like, I, that to me, it's like, oh, just you, like, just because you're black, you're going to get into dental school. Like, no, I had to put in a lot of work, you know? And so that bothered me a lot. One that bothers me a lot is I don't see color. That one bothers me so, so much. Because it's the, okay, like you have the idea, oh, I don't see, I don't see you for your color. But it's like, I'm a black man and that is part of me. And I love that about me. And you're saying I don't see color invalidates that. And some people, some people like a lot of times, I don't think anyone actually means like, I don't see color. Cause I like, really say like, oh, you don't see color, go, go to a stoplight. You know, I know that's not what they mean, but it's just the idea. It's like, no, see me for who I am. And recognize that but just don't treat me differently and some people feel differently like like i said in the beginning i don't speak for all black people but for me in my experience like that's how i feel so like you might not be meaning to offend someone but like you can um and then my whole life i fit well like i talked about earlier not my whole life but moving to to utah west jordan was like you're white stop acting white why you talk like that uh just because i like to use big words um my cadence is pretty like I enunciate. I do mumble a lot sometimes, but that's just because I talk really fast. But but yeah, things like that. Like yeah. I don't see color. Uh, like people face with my my dad has done done it too. It's like um, I remember a lady was like, "Oh, your boys are so intelligent." So like there's like they're doing so well, and just like the way they were talking, I was like, like it felt 
inorganic. I feel, I feel like so. That's just a little bit. That's a couple. Yeah, um, and I think like uh, definitely back to uh, your first story um, about the guy who t- uh, told you about that. Um, this the, his original the story that he was talking yeah. about. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of black people have access to uh, supports that can help them get into school and help them. Uh, get into colleges and universities and stuff, but it definitely does not take away from the the reality that it's difficult to be in school mm-hmm. and to go to school and to uh, to find that. And uh, so I can kind of see like why he would have thought that, but it mm-hmm. kind of comes back to the unintentional. Is yeah. unintentionality a word? I, I probably not. To his unintentional thought, yeah, or or his unintentional act of yeah. uh of saying that which which would be incredibly frustrating um yeah, kind of along those lines of like school it's like then we could talk about and someone said that to me one time too is like well i'm well it's like someone said to me like well does my skin color help like if i was black i'd have an easier chance going to the nfl i'm like what or like i've had people say well i'm white i've had a really tough life too like dude no i'm not saying that when we talk about like white privilege which is a whole nother discussion but or one time we were talking about, I was talking about schools and talking about interviews and this dude said to me, he said, sometimes I felt like they didn't want me in the school because I was white and they just want black people for di- that quote unquote air quotes, diversity. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? If you look at the national averages of representation in the workforce, it is so low. And especially like dentists, because that's my profession. That's what I want to do. The, there's 12%, uh, 12%, 13, whatever, like, of the pop- US population is, is black, right? Mm-hmm. 3% of the dental workforce is black. And so it's like, oh, well, why are they trying to incentivize black people to go to school or like giving these like a quote unquote scholarships for people to go to tertiary inter- education and beyond? Like, it's because you don't see that. Like, did you know the first time I ever saw a black dentist? I've never seen a black dentist. Exactly. My first time was my dental school interview. Wow. For Louisville, that's where we're going. You know, Elia, go, go cards. But yeah, that was my first time. And it was a black woman. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And like, that was incredible to me. And, but people like, I remember one person said to me one time, like, though 3% is like pretty good, right? I'm like, the US, I was like, the population is 12. You want to see representation, representation that's equal to the, um, the diversity and the numbers that you see in the general population that should be exhibited in the workforce as well. That yeah. goes for, you know, for women and for minorities. Like that should be, that's important. Um, so just like, that's why it's so frustrating to me when people say things like that. And it's like, well, why do they get all these other opportunities? It's like, because there is a disparity in, in the workforce that we see like, yeah, you were telling me once that there was, um, I think over a Zoom interview, some guy said something. Oh about, my gosh! Can you tell us that? Story oh my here? goodness gracious! It was, oh my gosh! So I don't mess with the school because they denied my application, but <laughs> uh, it was Colorado. Um, and I remember we, I was just doing a, um, I was doing a uh, like a QA with students. Actually, yeah, I was doing a QA with students, and. Uh, they're actually what's really cool is that there are a lot more female dentists well in dental school right now there's like a ton it was cool like louisville last year they accepted like 80 women first like 40 men which is cool like that's cool was the first time you saw a woman dentist i never have yeah that's way cool to me but 
going back to the point, he, and this dude, oh my gosh, I still can't believe he said that. He looked bold face into the camera and said, so I have a question. And, you know, one of the students was like, okay, what's up? And he's like, so like, I've heard, uh, you know, women have an easier time in dental school because they're used to going backwards in, in mirrors. Um, like, cause they do put some, put on so much makeup. I was like, bro, what? I was like, oh my gosh. And the, the girl did awesome. She's like, no, that's not true. Like talked about like hand skills and all these other things. And dude kind of just like kind of smirked. And I'm like, honestly, bro, like in my head, I didn't say anything. Cause you know, I said, maybe I could have, but she handled it pretty well. Um, Sometimes I was not her place. Yeah. I was just so shocked though, that not only did he think that, but he asked it and like smiled. I was like, dude, you're, I'm like, you're dumb. Because not only is that um, incredibly disrespectful and sexist, it's just yes. like stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like it is. You, that that was dumb. That was oh my gosh, I, that made me mad. I remember telling Kenzie, she's like, "What?" I was like, "I'm like you. You're an idiot. Like that guy can kick rocks." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and the unfortunate thing is that it's so common. Like uh, there there are people like that that feel comfortable enough to say things derogatory yeah. uh that are um t- completely sexist or yeah. uh, and so i remember you told me that story and i was just dumbfounded i was like <laughs> yeah. like he actually said that out loud in a zoom meeting probably full of 40 people bro at um, least and it's just like so those kinds of comments are the things that are are i mean i don't even know you call that a microaggression because it seemed pretty aggressive to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, but I think but to, that's the thing that we see more, like, that we see more because it's, like, almost frankly more acceptable. It's the stereotypes that are perpetuated by the media, by people, are kind of accepted. Like, and that's the, that's another frustrating thing, too. Like we've talked about representation before, like, well-written, like, characters that are minority or, or that have that aren't heterosexual, like things like that, I think are important as well. Like Spider-Man Miles Morales, that was flames. Yeah. Because that was the first time I saw like a black superhero, like video game, the main character. And then things like that are important. Like that's why the death of Chadwick Boseman hurt me so bad. Yeah. Because you know, he showed like little kids, like, I mean, I was a big kid too, but like, like you could be a superhero too. And yeah. that movie, just what it meant because, frankly, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man. But, but what that story meant and what that that movie represented is forever the reason why I will always love that movie and I will always love Chadwick Boseman because of what it showed. Like his his talk, well, not his talk, his acceptance speech where he talked about being young, black, and gifted. Um, I watched that the day after he died, and I cried, and I cried for a man that I'd never met before because of what the things that he said were true for me and i think things like that are important and we've kind of gone off from microaggressions but like yeah this is this is just kind of like what i wish people understood and people like wanted to like understand and listen to Mm -hmm. you know something uh that i have heard um actually a couple of times is speaking about representation is uh i remember one time uh I think I was at the movie theater and I don't even remember what movie it was, but there was a, a gay couple in it. And I remember someone saying, why do they always have to put like, like gay people in here? And, um, 
I mean, obviously that wasn't directed towards me and that mm-hmm. was probably just overheard in the movie theater, but I remember I was, I was frustrated because when you are not a part of a minority, it's easy to pick out, um, the minorities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, for me, like watching a movie, especially, uh, uh, um, when I was younger and seeing people, uh, uh it's like same sex couples and, uh, being able to see, uh, like a gay couple on a movie screen, it was kind of like exhilarating. Yeah. It was kind of like a little bit freeing. It kind of gave you a little bit of courage. It made you feel a little bit better mm-hmm. about yourself. And you feel like, you feel like maybe it's okay that, I'm the way that I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if you're not that way, and if you don't identify as that way, or if you don't have that color of skin, it it probably doesn't mean as much to you, which is not a problem. But at the same time, you think uh, uh, if you were more empathetic towards people who are like that, Mm -hmm. then maybe you would understand that to see someone that looks like you or is like you on a, on a movie screen or in a video game or at a play or whatever whatever it is whatever entertainment it is or whatever uh widely i don't know widely viewed thing it is um i totally lost my train of thought i don't know what i was gonna end with that um, basically just it it's comforting it is yeah it's it extremely is. comforting and and um it's just it feels good does it, it just it just feels good and you're like this like it just means a lot it just it, it just means a lot and I, it's it's hard to describe because like you said it's like unless you experience it yourself it's hard to, to describe mm-hmm. or it's hard to, to feel or hard to like empathize with but 100 percent it's it's just like the warm fuzzies yeah, it yeah, is. Like, it is the warm fuzzies. It's the warm fuzzies. That's the yeah. best way I can describe it. <laughs> I remember I beat Miles Morales. I beat it twice in fifty, probably fifty hours. I beat it twice, and I remember just sitting there at the end, just like this is. And you can say it's a super short game. This let me put the game side apart, but just the story itself for me is just like a black teen coming of age story where he finds his own. And becomes something better than what he was before. As a black and Puerto Rican that kid, teenager, that is, like that is so cool to see. I know for me it was really cool. I know for kids in similar situations, um, that it sells a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And that is what we miss when we don't have those stories told. And what we miss when we get, uh, air quotes, upset about... <laughs> Yeah. Things that are or being forced or being unnecessarily added to plots. It's yeah. like, I think there's a big difference, like, between being upset, like, at a story and being upset because there's a thing in the story that you don't like. Yeah, which kind of brings us to one of my other questions, which is, um, let me look at it real quick. Okay, so uh, it, it's kind of about, are you able to support something or someone no, I'm going to read it because it, I wrote a good question. No, yeah. fine. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, so a lot of people have expressed that they feel like they can't support the Black Lives Matter movement because of the, the, the BLM organization, um, because it's guided by openly Marxist leaders. Uh, so 
my question to you is, how do you feel about this statement? And can you support someone without supporting, let's say, for this example, the BLM organization itself? Oh, well, for this example, 100% you can. You should be able to. And, and there's things like, we know the Black Lives Matter organization is frankly controversial uh, among many, many communities. I think personally, um, they could change their name. I think that would help a lot just for what... Because a lot of people are like, well, when I say Black Lives Matter, to them, they see it here in org. When I say Black Lives Matter, I mean that Black Lives Matter, period. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of like um, misconception because of the organization. And there are things in the organization that, frankly, I don't like. But there are things in the organization that I think are good. And there's other things where I'm like, you said this in the worst way possible. I understand what you're saying. But yeah. the way you said it, you're not going to get anyone on board. And so... When I say I when I say Black Lives Matter, I don't even think about the organization, and so I think a lot of people need to like do that because there's a lot of other organizations that have existed before that, you know, um, the NAACP, for example. Um, say again, but the, sorry, the NAACP. There you go. <laughs> uh, um, there's another organization that I also follow as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. Wish I did, but like things like that, or just people like that that are promoting like. The message and promoting the cause and trying to make things better for people of color and, and people overall in our country. Like, they'll say, Oh, I don't like Black Lives Matter because Sean King loves it. You know, and it's like, he's another controversial figure, but they always want to talk about the controversial figures and not the people that are in their communities, in their neighborhoods, their friends. They want to focus on the things that are bad, not focus on the things that are good. I 100% believe you can put the organization aside. Like, who cares about the organization? Because it's so much bigger than the organization. The, the, you say the movement was headed by them or whatever, but like the issues at hand are much bigger than them and they're much longer than them and they've gone on for a lot longer. That's what I should have said it. They've gone on for a lot longer than they have existed or have been a thought of existing. So when you come back to it, it's like, this isn't the issue. Like, I remember I had a conversation with someone. They said, I can't support the movement because the Black Lives Matter organization supports abortion. And that's a completely different like conversation in itself. Like we can talk about abortions and we can talk about why they happen, preventative messages, all these things we can talk about. But I'm like, this is the hill that you're dying on. That you cannot support like a, a entire cause. You cannot support a people because you don't like that an organization tied to it or an organization that is a part of it. I think it's even better. It's part of the, like it's part of it supports this and it's, it's frustrating and then you think about other things like uh you can you can um extend that question to a lot of other things if you can support um a person rather than support a movement and i think um there's a discretion like you have to take discretion with everything now that there's a blanket statement that can that can answer each and every situation but i 100 percent believe that you can because i when i say black lives matter I don't think about the organization and I think a lot of more people would benefit from that because the the organization and the group is very controversial. Um, well, the national group, because it, it, it is supposed to operate and it does operate on local levels and like that's the way it works. So it's like not every or like local organization is run the exact, exact air quotes, exact same way as the head organization. So there's like, it's a lot more, it's a lot deeper than 
just what people want to see on the, on the surface level. Yeah. The talking point that you hear on the news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, kind of a lot of the reasons why people are so focused on trying uh, being nitpicky about things so that they can, uh, I guess, refuse to, uh, refuse to support something is because, uh, it's easier that way. I think a lot of it comes down to confirmation bias. I think, mm -hmm. uh, things that we listen to, people that we listen to, news that we listen to, uh, will tell us you shouldn't support this organization because it goes against our organization. Yeah. Uh, or you shouldn't support this because it goes against what you believe. Mm -hmm. When it's really not that simple because you can look at the, um, the movement that's been happening in America. Uh, for racial equality mm -hmm. and and not even talk about the Black Lives Matter organization. Yeah. And uh, and I think that that's really important to recognize and understand is a, almost everything that you can fathom, fathomably talk about is that way. Mm -hmm. You can be nitpicky about things and you can refuse an entire uh, an entire group of people your love and support because of one thing that's so easy to do mm -hmm. because there is always going to be one thing yeah. there is always going to be something that you probably disagree with but if you're looking at this from a more empathetic point of view um because like i've said me and nadu we have disagreed about plenty of things but it doesn't mean that i cannot support the movement or support him or support uh the things that he believes in because of the things that i disagree exactly. with and uh, and i honestly think it's because uh we both have been able to i guess just have like a outpouring of love yeah uh and and that has been so beneficial for for both of us i imagine for especially for me because um it has given me someone that I know that I can talk to about difficult things and not feel like he's going to invalidate me. Yeah. And, and, uh, which I really appreciate. So thank yeah, you. Of course. Uh, and so it's kind of like, what would you say to someone that is struggling to overcome that confirmation bias and okay. looking to support friends or family? Um, but not sure how they should yeah, do it. I think, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of different ways. I think, I think the first way is just, if you ask them a question, just listen, ask them their story, ask them just, just to understand a little bit better and just, just listen. I think, um, my, so I've, so I've four really good friends, like friend groups, like I'm kind of like the trios, if you will, um, one back home and one here in Cedar. And the one back home, the both groups are two black friends and a white friend. And one back home, like I, we always give him a hard time. It's like, hey, bro, like post Black Lives Matter on your on your Facebook and things like that, and he won't. And I understand, I, I respect it. But at the end of the day, and this is the friend that leans a little bit more right. I know that he loves me. And I know that he cares about me. And that's just the first one. Is like, not only like saying that you do, but when the difficult conversations come up and you need to have them not being afraid of, oh, I'm afraid of losing our friendship over this. Because if you're really trying to listen, you're really trying to care, um, the outpouring of love is what's going to, will get, will get you through it and will, will help you understand it. Um, I think that's, that's an important part of it, I think as well. Um, Cause I don't think that like anyone with a, 
with a, with a friend. I don't think any friend that, uh, you talk that is, well, that's what I'm saying. Friends, yeah. air quote fingers. <laughs> <laughs> any, any real friend that you talk to and say, I want to hear what your experience has been. Yeah. And they're willing to listen to you. And, and then afterwards be like, I still love you, even though, uh, despite the experience that you've shared yeah. with me. And even if there are things that, I mean, it's, it, like, how do you disagree with an experience? First of all, that's my thing. My other thought is you can disagree with things people believe in, which yeah. I think is totally appropriate and fine. And that's fine. Yeah. And, and but the way you talk about yeah. it with someone is important. So that's why it's important to have your expression of love. I really care about you. I want to know how you're doing. Uh, do you want, I would like to hear your story. I, I mean, I, I don't remember. I probably think I just texted you and I was like, Hey, like, I really would like to hear like, how you're doing, yeah. what your experience has been like through all of this. Like, can we have a conversation sometime? Yeah. We ended up talking for like three and a half yeah. hours that day. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Uh, and then, at, I mean, we, we talked about some really difficult things and we disagreed about some really difficult things. But then at the end of the conversation, we were still able to say, even though we disagree, yeah. I still care about you. I still support you. Yeah. And I still support the majority <laughs> of everything yeah. that we've talked about, mm-hmm. which is so like, if you get stuck and hung up on one thing, even if you feel like that one thing is a major thing, then you miss the point. Yeah. You just, it just right over your head. You see my little hand going over my head. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it. Yeah. And that's the, and, and that's sad. That, that's a travesty because it, if you're not able to listen and understand and love, then you're going to struggle to uh, maintain relationships, yeah. honestly, and and maintain relationships that matter, mm-hmm. that are really important. Um, and so I don't know. I'm really, I really appreciate our relationship. Yeah, of course, dating. always, always. I think that's that's the important part too. I, I like what you said. Um, you can you can't disagree. Sorry, you can't disagree with experiences. Like that's what happened, and that's how a person is, like processes things and has things in their life. You can disagree with the beliefs, but I think an important part of disagreeing on a beliefs is recognizing that the word that you taught me, <clears throat> not to use ad hominems, where you, uh, <laughs> where it stops being about the argument and you start, um, like, attacking the person and also recognizing that attacks on your beliefs aren't attacks on you as a person. Whether, no matter how deep your beliefs are attached to your identity. An attack on a belief is not an attack on you as a person, especially if it comes from a person that you love. That's And that's a big thing. And it's like, you said this, and that's what you believe. This is what I believe, and I don't think you're right at all. But that doesn't mean you're an idiot. Yeah. But I- sometimes <laughs> it does. So I just contradicted myself. <laughs> but, but hey, sometimes man, there's some things that that's like, bro, come on, man. How do you believe that this is a thing when people are sharing their experiences of X and you think why? Just because it's not your reality. And this is what I've learned a lot too. And I've come to accept and come to learn about myself is I've had a very different experience than a lot of different black people. But I recognize that their experience and I validate their experience and I recognize that it's real. And just because it hasn't happened to me doesn't mean it's not real for them. And I always stand my brothers and sisters and i think in in my culture in my family and i want to say in my religion but i sometimes i can't so just cut that part out (laughs) 
Okay. Maybe, but probably not. Uh, it's just it's fr- it's been frustrating. Okay, I will talk about it. Church we'll about it. church has been hard. Yeah, I think you talk a l- you expressed that to me a little bit. I, I did. had a really good conversation. It's the first time I ever talked with my dad about it. I said this this has been the hardest summer for me and my faith. Because and I've had to rely on, on my belief that Jesus Christ is my savior has been the anchor of my testimony and will forever be the anchor of my testimony because, and I know I've experienced a lot of good things for me and my family in church. I mean, that's your podcast is about church. We have to talk about it. All right. (laughs) So, um, it has been very hard for me in that way. Like I, and we can talk about the history of the church. That's another thing I've still, frankly, wanting to understand. I don't necessarily need an answer. Well, I actually want an answer. That'd be nice. I would love an answer. Answers are nice. Answers are great. But I felt like there are things that have been wrong, and I still don't understand it. But I do understand is my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. And so that's been the strength or anchor of my testimony. But just like... Things that I've seen people in the church say, people that I've served missions with say, I'm just like, we served in a predominantly black and East Indian countries. Like, those are the, those are the people we served. And just because, like, I remember seeing a dude, like, post about how he hated George. Like, he's like, I will never support George Floyd. All lives matter. And all this other stuff, I'm like, you're, you're missing the point. Like, not only the people back, you know, Trinidad, Guyana, bless up, are, are seeing that, but like, I saw that. And I'm like, I'm black. Like, I, and that, like, that hurts. Like, what? Those are the way that you feel. Like, that, that and that's been a thing too, is like, that's the way that you feel. Like, so what, I'm just one of the quote unquote, the good ones. It's like, that's been really frustrating to, to see and just like, that's been hard. I remember I got in a fight with a bishop about something, like a former bishop about something and it hurt. And people that have seen me grow up, that posting that it hurt. But I've also found in myself that I'm not the 10 year old kid they watch grow up anymore, I'm 25. I can speak out against it. And that's been a big thing for me is like, I need to speak out. I need to share my experience. I need to magnify the experiences of people like me. Because if I don't do it, who's going to? And that's what I've been able to find in myself these this year. Well, last year, I guess. 2020 was, was a long year. But I've learned a, one thing I'm glad I learned a lot about myself and where I stand. And so I love the church. I love the experience that I've had, but I've had a really hard time in 2020 with it. Um, and when people say things like, oh, I don't understand how anyone could leave. I'm like, dude, I 100% understand. I used to think, I used to think, how could anyone leave the church? It's so true and so correct. Yeah. And then you have these negative experiences in the church or with people who uh, 
are members of the church, just like you, or leaders in the church, yeah. and it, it makes it more difficult to to stay active in the church, I would say. Um, one thing like that that you mentioned and that I've mentioned before too is uh, the the experiences that we've had. I think with the atonement of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and with our relationships with God and Jesus Christ, uh, those are the things to me that truly matter. Yeah, uh, because as long as I am trying my best to maintain my relationship with Jesus Christ and uh, and and uh maintain the, the i think the truths that i've learned as far as the atonement goes i think then that is good for me yeah. and that is enough for me and uh, and and like you've said it's your anchor uh in your testimony that's my also my anchor in my testimony yeah. my my anchor or my testimony is not even about the members of the church yeah. it's not even it about be. the church yeah it, it shouldn't be, be. Yeah. it is definitely about jesus christ mm-hmm. and and the atonement and and a loving heavenly father exactly and uh one thing that kind of has been a struggle for me growing up even was always hearing the phrase love the sinner but hate the sin (laughs) Uh, that which i understand like same thing growing up i'm like oh yeah you you don't you don't hate the person but you just hate what they're doing i'm like dude that's it just puts you aloof yeah it it makes Mm -hmm. it impossible for you to empathize with someone in their Mm -hmm. situation and and it's easy that's the easy way out love the sinner hate the sin wow it's so catchy and it makes your life so much easier because now all of a sudden you're better than them and you are aloof from their from their life and situation and their struggles and their experience and you can hate what they're doing yeah air quotes you you can hate that (laughs) air finger quotes air finger quotes you can hate that but still like oh i love that person though yeah it's fake yeah (laughs) it is it's not that's not that's not true love that's not christ-like love uh that's that's easy love yeah and uh you can't even call that love, honestly. That's it's just easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do that. Um, and I and I have been like that in, no, in yeah, my no. past. And it, and and, uh, and I apologize, obviously, anyone out there who's listening that I feel like I and that I obviously have. I I do apologize for ever treating anyone that way because it's wrong and it's and uh, I didn't know any better at that time in my life. And so, especially when it comes to sexuality, I would always hear. Oh, there, we don't agree with the gay lifestyle. It goes against the, it goes against the church's values. It goes against the family, the proclamation to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes against our personal beliefs, like people, like gay people shouldn't be gay, blah, blah, blah. And then, so, but then it's always, oh, but we love them still yeah. anyway. Even though we support who they are as a person, we still love them, which doesn't make any sense if you think about it yes. that way, mm-hmm. especially when you say it out loud. It, it's like, how can you really love someone if you don't support them? Yeah. And, um, and honestly, if you feel like you can't support something that someone believes in, actually, I don't feel like you have to support something that someone believes in, but being gay is not a belief. (laughs) Being, being gay is an actuality. And, uh, and, and if you find that you are unable to love someone because of, uh, who they love. Who they love, then then check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> you said that in the last one. Kind of <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that's for me too. Like, I have, like I said, it's been kind of recent, more recent for me, where I've like sought to understand the similarities. And I've, 
I feel bad, man. Like, I was a dumb, like, high school, I was a dumb middle school, high school kid. And even, like, you know, I also want to apologize to anyone that I've hurt or caused pain. Um, by the way, like, by my own actions, I'm seeking to be better. And I feel like I'm better now, for sure. Like, well, I'm a guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, but honestly, no, in all honesty, like, I honestly think it's important to that, that, to remember that people can change and people want to change and want to be better. Well, people that want to be better and want to change will and can. And so, but like you said, it's, it's that weird, like, oh yeah, like I can love you. I can love you, but like, I'm not I won't you. support the Black exactly. Lives Matter movement because exactly. I don't believe in that because they're Marcus, because they believe in abortion, because they, whatever it is. And that's the threat. And I hope, I hope for someone the, that, um, made that thread of those, of the commonalities. Like literally what you just said has been applied like, oh, I love you. you like, I love you. You're a black person, but I won't support X, Y, Z that are important parts of what you are facing, what you are experiencing. Even if they're things that you didn't even ask for support for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, I didn't ask you to support the Black Lives Matters organization. I just asked you to support me and this movement. Yes. Me reaching for racial equality in mm-hmm. America or for, um, uh, sexual orientation quality yeah. in America. I don't know how to say that better. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. My jargon is terrible, but, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking, I'm trying to think of how you would say that. I feel like what you said is good. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's appropriate. Uh, and, and it's like, I, whenever I think about what I want people to support about me, I don't necessarily want people to be like, Oh, we're going to go to a pride parade and we're going to be there in support. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for people to, uh, to respect me as a human being, uh, to not get in my business about stuff that doesn't matter, you know, about who I choose to be in a relationship with and to love me for who I am. And if who I am is, is, uh, someone that you just feel like you can't agree with, then, then, you don't need to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like live your life. That's good. Live your life. You be who you want to be. You believe in what you want to believe in. But there's no reason to antagonize someone yeah. because you believe differently than mm-hmm. them or you want things for your own self that are different yeah. than what other people want. And, and I believe it's the same like with you. I think that, uh, you just want people to support you and to love you and to, uh, be there for you and to not tell you what they disagree with in, in, uh, in, well, no, that's not true. They don't, you don't not want people to tell you what you disagree with, but not to tell people that, not to tell you that they're not going to support you because of things that are unrelated to yeah. what you're asking about, yeah. which comes back to listening to someone. Exactly. And I think like you mentioned, like I'm, you don't expect people to go to like to, to a pride parade. Like when we had those protests in, uh, Salt Lake. <laughs> the president in Cedar City. It wasn't so much that I saw people there, like you know, walking. It was the one like the people that came up and hugged me and said, "You know, I love you. I care about you." That's what meant a lot to me. It's like it's, I think it's so cool, like to see people to be outspoken and the people that are also through this right that are magnifying black voices and the voices of minorities and not um, speaking for black people and for other people of minorities. Um, the ones that are trying to amplify those voices and just saying, hey, dude, I love you. Or how are you doing? Things, you know, I can understand things are probably difficult right now. Are you okay? How do you feel? Things like that go a lot more than saying, well, no, I love you, but. I love I want, you, but. I love yeah. you. Uh, this is exactly the but. It's mm-hmm. like, 
The freaking butts. If you have, with one T, if you have a <laughs> but in your sentence, you're probably not, what you're saying is probably not, not actually no. You're, I guarantee if you say I, X, but Y, they're all, the only thing going to hit the Y. They're not like the X part. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. Actually, I think my dad told me that, um, if you say, but in your sentence, then you actually don't mean the thing you said before the butt. Yeah. I love you, but I can't support. Exactly. You actually don't mean that. Like it, it's like a mental thing, uh, mm-hmm. some some type of psychology thing. That if you use "but" in your sentence, then it actually means that you don't really believe in what you're saying before that, mm-hmm. or you don't really mean what you're saying before that. And I think that's totally true. Just listen to someone. Uh, and if you have your, I don't even want to say grievances. Or if you have your Dis- thi- disagreements, yeah, I'm grievances like <laughs> yeah. super formal. Uh-huh. But <laughs> if you have things that you're genuinely concerned about and have questions about, ask them. I have a really good friend. Um, we play COD. That's my COD brother. We served a mission together. Um, he'll say things, and I'll listen to him, and I'll, he'll say I'll say things. And he'll listen to me, and every once in a while, I'm like, hey, dude. Please don't say this because this is how it could come off. And he's like, okay, that's cool. And he and he has a struggle. He's like, well, I feel like I can't say, like, can't be myself. I'm like, no, you can. But it's like, I've helped. I've, I've, I felt like I've tried to help him, mag- uh, help him, um, navigate how to have those conversations. Uh, but in the, the day, it's like, dude, like, I love you, man. Like, you're my, you're my brother. So we've been able to have those conversations. And it's like, he never takes me as like, don't say this as a, an attack on him. And I'm grateful for that from him. And I think that's just part of it. It's like, just have the conversations. And yeah. don't be afraid to have the conversations. Because to me, and I'll say this, I don't speak for everyone, but if you're afraid to have the conversation with me, then are you? I don't know if you're really my friend. Check yourself before you get wrecked. Not <laughs> but that's honestly yeah. like, and yeah, I remember I had, had a conversation with one of my buddies from our mission the other day where I shared with him why I've had this struggle with some people and he just listened. And I could tell... His tone changed. He just like, he's like, why, like, why don't you talk to me more? And I'm like, honestly, and I just shared my experience and he just listened. And that meant a lot to me. This is actually a dude that I fought a lot with on my mission. We butted heads a ton, <laughs> but he just listened to me and I said, thank you. I'm like, thank you. Like, actually, did I say thank you? I think I did. Uh, or I might have told Mackenzie, I'm like, that was the coolest thing about you. You only cut the tail end of it, but he just listened to me. And of course, I don't speak for all black people. And, but when it comes to an experience for anyone, you can't, you can't, just like a testimony. It was so powerful on your mission because people cannot deny a testimony because that's what you felt and that is what you've experienced. And well, actually, a testimony is what you know, but it's what you know based off experience. Because of your experience. Exactly. Yeah. You can't deny a testimony the same way you can't deny an experience because they are the same. I agree. I agree. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is just listen. Uh, listen with an open heart. Listen with uh, empathy. Listen with love. And I think that if you have those, was that three things? <laughs> I'm terrible at math. Open, uh, listen. Heart, listen, love. Three? I don't know. Probably three, maybe four. Who knows? I'm terrible at math. Uh, but if you have the, if you have those things, I think that any conversation, any difficult conversation you're going to have with someone is going to be, uh, 
more easily navigated and uh, a better conversation in general. I think it really elevates uh, your ability to talk to people as long as you try your best to understand where they're coming from and uh, and not trying to invalidate feelings and not try to, well, well, I think that whatever, blah, blah, because of this, it, just trying to, just trying to be there for that person, honestly, is, is one of the best things that you can do for yeah. someone. Yeah. A really funny video that I love to tell people about is it's not about the nail. Uh, look it up on YouTube. Oh yeah. It's, uh, one. it's hilarious. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, it's about a, a man and woman sitting on a couch having a conversation and she's just talking, talking, talking. About her difficult day at work or, or something. And, or no, oh, about, she's talking about a headache. She's a headache, yeah. She's got a headache. And, and he has, she has a nail and he keeps wanting to tell her, it's like, take the nail on. And she's like, no, just listen to my, yeah. all these awful It's not about the me. nail. Please go watch it. It is so funny. Um, Since we talk about recommendations, can I, can I give a couple? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, just about what we talked about, social injustice. I think there's a couple movies I think are great. Um, 13th, 13th on Netflix. Um, it's about the 13th Amendment, um, Just Mercy, True Story, also a great one. It's got, um, I almost said LL Cool J. He is not in it. It's Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. Uh-huh. Um, when They See Us, about the Exonerated Five. Um, that one, that one is really good. I've seen really that frustrating, but it's really, really good. Very um, insight. It is very insightful. Yes. It is difficult to watch, though. Um, and since we talk about representation, Soul, I love Soul. And the best part of Soul is the barbershop scene. It's just, that was fly. Um, I just think those are, are all you know, good things to watch. And that we talk about representation and then like understanding. I think 13th uh, helped me understand a lot more about mass incarceration and helped me understand a lot more about, um, and you can say whatever you want, if it's bias, left or right, but like there's a, like facts that, that are in there. Um, take them as you will. Um, just, Irrefutable. Yeah. Just Mercy um, talks, yeah, talks a little bit about, um, actually, it was more like a movie. It's less like a less documentary and more of a movie um, about a man who was um, incarcerated for a crime he did not commit and was on death row for it. And then um, uh, Central, oh, it's not Central Park Five. Um, when They See Us is about the exonerated five, the five boys that were in Central Park who were all um, convicted of con- convicted rape. of yeah. rape of a gang and rape. sentenced to jail yeah it talks a little bit about um, one boy Yusef I think his story is the most sad is because um, he was in jail from the day they were arrested because his family couldn't afford bail so I think things like that are important to recognize and understand that they didn't just happen like they didn't just oh they're not just stories they're not just movies but there are things that actually happened and there are remnants of that history in today's society. Real events. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and then Soul is just a good movie about... I actually don't want to say what it's about because that kind of ruins it. Yeah, so I was going to say, I haven't seen yeah, it yet. So. It's, it's fire. <laughs> it's flames. Disney exactly. Plus. Um, but yeah, and that's just... Representation is important. Listen with an open heart and with love. And... Um, Emmanuel Acho's Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man are pretty fun, too, on YouTube. Um, and if anyone, honestly, has questions, like I said, I'm a pretty red personality. I'll tell you if I think I disagree with you, but um, if anyone wants to, to ask, uh, ask ask questions... Hit him up on his Instagram. Yeah, this is an Instagram plug. My name is really hard to spell. So, 
Good luck. Chinedu Ahananu. <laughs> but yeah. Spell it for us. Uh, C-H-I-N-E-D-U. And the last name is A-H-A-N-O-N-U. So I'm, I, tr- I want to be an open book. I want to help people because I think unless we have these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations, things aren't going to change. And I, I have said this a lot. And we talked a little bit about the church. We've talked a little bit about society. I do think and I do have hope that our generation is going to be the best generation honestly, in the church and in America. And I really believe that with all my heart. And I know sometimes it, it can get really, really bleak. I've been in some pretty dark places um, this year, well, this past year, just with the way things are. But I have hope. And so I really, really do. So, but yeah. So thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for the awesome conversation. Of course. Really good. Of course. Uh, As always, if you ever want to reach out to me, uh, my Instagram page is Saint with a dash in between each one of those words. And also, I think my Instagram is connected to that as well. So you feel free to reach out to me and talk to me if uh, you would like to do that. Or if you have anything that you would like to hear on this podcast or you have any questions that you would like me to answer to the best of my ability, um, I hope to be able to do this again. And I really appreciate your insight. I think this has been awesome. Thanks, Janady. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Um, we appreciate you guys and we hope you have a great evening.